Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the Washington Franklin Center for Uninspired Stamp Design, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 225. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Steve. So we have a new person today. Steve. Hi. <laughs> Welcome, Steve. Thank you. Who are you and why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I am an old stamp collector and I'm here with my friends. Okay. There you go. So we get emails. Our email today, I am a subscriber and big fan of your podcast, Stamp Show here today. Ooh, yay. 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 Right, we, we like fans. Since I discovered the podcast, I have listened to 75 episodes. Oh, that's why he's still listening. He hasn't listened to them all yet. <laughs> and I am making my way through the rest of them in the near future. Thank you for investing the time and putting this stamp podcast together as I find it very educational from both stamp collecting and postal history perspective. As a beginner to intermediate U.S. stamp collector. Scott and Cash, thank you for making it charming and funny. <sighs> wow. <laughs> no love for anybody else. <laughs> I'm done reading. No. <laughs> Kidding. It makes things brighter and fun to listen to. Recently, I got a hold of two certified bluish paper stamps. They were certified in 2016, Scott numbers 361 and 366. And as I am listening to your podcast, I would like to take advantage of your offer for initial look at these stamps to decide whether these two stamps would be worth sending for further detailed analysis slash certification. Your time and help is very appreciated. Thank you, and keep up the good work on the podcast. That is from Jurai, who is a Ph.D. research scientist, microbiology and, immunolo and immunology at the University of San Francisco. Very, very cool. We have uh, listeners in high places. Thank you very much for your efforts. Yeah, did he uh, happen to mention how much that pays? Because <laughs> the stamp thing doesn't more work than, out. More than stamp, more than stamp show. I might try the yeah. I'm more, greatly more than stamp show engineer, I probably can bet. Well, uh, he's a PhD and we are... Uh, no HD. Yeah, no HD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're still analog. <laughs> well, since we are sitting on the precipice of the cutting edge of baffling and bewildering stamp designs and you are asking about the Washington Franklin issue, let's take a bit of time to discuss that. Well, there's two different designs, Washington... And Franklin. There's three different designs. There's, there's, there's TWO cent there, and there's, the number two there's cent five yes. different designs. in Washington and then Franklin. No. Yeah. What are the other three? Because then you have the two. the Franklins changed. You have the the Franklins go from the hor the vertical to yeah. the horizontal when you hit the two and five dollars. The big buy collars, the big the bends. Yeah, who calls them the big bends? You, you're the one who, I, first yeah, person I, who's ever I told saw me that. that. <laughs> I saw that, but actually, I've always called them the buy collars. Yeah, 
So who calls them the Big Bends? You. No, that wasn't me. You told me. I, I never heard I about read it something until you mentioned it. Yeah, because I read your research. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My cutting and basting. Yep. Well, starting with the two-cent Washington stamp issued on November 16th, 1908, the Washington Franklin issues are a series of definitive U.S. postage stamps, and as you can guess, they depict George Washington and Benjamin Franklin. They were issued by the U.S. Post Office for almost 15 years, from 1908 through 1922, which is longer than any prior issue. Now, hang on a second. The two cents are not the first one, because that's 332. 331's the first one, the one cent. It was issued... Only in the catalog. Yeah. Well, that's unacceptable. (laughs) Talk to Mr. C3. (laughs) Yeah. C3 was the first airmail stamp. (laughs) The odd thing about this issue is it employs only two engraved head designs in ovals, and the difference is the color and the value. This was a big change from previous definitive issues, which had a pantheon of famous Americans and founding fathers, which were different on each value. Well, that's good because it reduced the amount of work that they had to do when they produced all these different dyes. Until they made seven types of the two cent. Well, that's only for stamp collectors, but the postal people did complain that the colors were non-standard and they got confusing and that's why uh, one of the reasons they did this supposedly allegedly allegedly well the colors should have been standardized by the universal postal union at least for the the basic rates blue for the overseas surface red for the domestic well remember this is the same time that the parcel post stamps all were going through their thing. That was 1913. This was 1908. That's five years later. I think that it was still the same argument. Well, I think the argument came back and reared its ugly head. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Which argument was that? Don't mail your kids? Yeah, that's it. Well, for those people who didn't get that inside joke, uh, you can go on YouTube and type in Stamp Show here today. We did a YouTube video on actually somebody who used parcel post stamps to mail their child. Yes, they included food. Does that still work? No. Depends on how how well they sit still in the box. (laughs) Most mail goes by air and is not conducive to sending live things through the mail that are unidentified. Ah. If they're identified, then they choose not to put them in the unpressurized hold. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back to our regularly scheduled topic. (laughs) It was said at the time that this break with the current designs represented a return to origins. Washington and Franklin had appeared on the first two American stamps issued in 1847. So for 15 years, each stamp denomination featured either George Washington or Benjamin Franklin. Yay. Awesome. What about the special delivery stamps? What they about the special delivery they stamps? They didn't feature George Washington or Benjamin Franklin. But they weren't definitive stamps. Ah, he's got you there. They were definitively issued. Why problem make when you no problem have, you don't want to make. 
In the early Washington Franklin issues from 1908 to 1911, every design incorporated a pair of olive branches surrounding either the face of Washington or Franklin. Hopefully they weren't allergic. In 1912, they did a monstrous breakthrough and the Franklin head issues appeared with oak leaves instead of olive branches. Wow. With differences in design and colors, more than 250 separate and distinct stamps in seven separate series were issued. Are there really that many? Yes. Uh, I, I would say you'd need two boats because there's more than a boatload. Hmm. Actually, 250 is a very round number, and I would predict that that number is actually low. <laughs> I mean, I knew there were a lot of them, but... I didn't know there were that many. Well, 331 to, yeah. Oh, there's a few commemoratives in there, too. Yeah. That's probably fairly close. Produced by the Bureau of Engraving and Printing in Washington, D.C., these issues were generally printed by the flat plate process, but several of the issues also employed other new and experimental printing methods, including the use of the rotary printing press and the offset printing process. Well, they weren't new processes, per se, especially the offset. It was just different from what they traditionally had printed the stamps from. Now, the rotary print, the rotary press was a new invention. How to print stamps faster, yes? Yes. An interesting note is that President Theodore Roosevelt argued that in observance of the upcoming 100th anniversary of Lincoln's birthday, Lincoln should be included in the issue. Lincoln obviously didn't make the cut, but he did get his own stamp in 1909. And true to form, there are three varieties of that stamp. So, <laughs> so 250 <laughs> different stamps. Scott, a little birdie, told me that you have some information on the paper used on these issues. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to know something? Well, Jirai... You're the resident expert, so yes. Jirai oh. sent us an email specifically asking about blue paper. And is the blue well, paper... Well, he asked you, not me. Oh, yeah. he asked Damn Show here today. Oh. So blue paper is actually blue? No. Blue paper is actually gray. Gray. Um, what they did as an experiment, they were uh, having trouble with perforating technology. The stamps were printed, uh, and when they were printed, they would moisten the stamp paper to approximately a 35% water content, and this would facilitate the ink being drawn into the fibers of the paper, and so the image would take better on the paper. But when the stamps dried, they would shrink. And when they shrank, then the perforators didn't necessarily perforate down the middle of the rows. So they, what they were doing is they, they tried some different things to hopefully reduce the shrinkage. And one of the things that they tried is to the paper pulp as the paper was being made, they added a cotton rag content. And uh, they added about 35% cotton rag to the wood pulp in the paper making process to hopefully reduce the shrinkage of the paper as it dried. Now, the reason it's called bluish paper is because back then they dyed 
the linen blue uh, for some reason or another, which I can't recall off the top of my head. Shrinkage. But uh, uh, that's that's where the bluish paper comes from because the rags that they used were white linen that had been dyed blue. Uh, but w- through the paper-making process with all the acids and everything, washes and everything else, the paper actually comes out to be pretty much a grayish color. I mean, and the only, the best part of the of that is that um, there's still blue in there. So if you put it, uh, compare it using an orange background, uh, the basic color wheel, blue and orange are opposite on the color wheel. So they're very uh, high contrast. When you compare the a normal stamp and a potential bluish paper stamp the bluish paper actually really comes out when you put them against an orange background and if you don't have orange you can use yellow post-it notes which a lot of people well, the use orange post-it notes are easily available yeah. it's that neon orange color is, is really good at that and if you if you get two stamps a bluish paper and a white paper they stand out just like yes. sore thumbs yes. I mean there's no it's incredible uh, you know the one cent and the two cent values of that are are not too expensive you can probably pick one up for 50 bucks or less well and then you would have a decent example to compare any potential higher value uh items well you know the story why the one and two cent is the price they are and all the rest are really astronomical they made more of them well the one in the two cent they released into the public it was an experiment so they actually sent them off to the post offices. And uh, the postmaster said, that's great. Uh, what do the other stamps look like when they're p- printed on this slightly grayish paper? So they printed all the stamps on this grayish paper, then took those stamps and stuck them in a vault. They were just experiments. They were just tests. The one cent, the two cent, we actually went to post offices. Well, somebody walked in and spoke to the fifth assistant to the assistant to the assistant postmaster and said hey what are those stamps in the vault and he goes uh yeah the my boss put them in there and he goes well let, let me buy them so i believe the amount was somewhere in the 180 dollar range and he bought all these stamps that the postmaster had put in this vault as an experiment and he took them and he sold them all off to stamp collectors well, the postmaster went in there and said, hey, hold on, what's going on here? Where are my stamps? And somebody, the guy goes, oh, I sold them. Well, he got fired for obvious reasons. And the other guy got sued. But the other guy goes, hey, I don't have them anymore. And uh, I bought them fair and square. And so he never did any time or anything either. So all of the three cent and above went into the collector market and they all went in as mint stamps. None of them went to the post offices. That's why it's incredibly rare to find them used. When they you, when you find them used, they're mostly sent by New York stamp collectors who wanted to run them through the mail to show that they were legitimate and legal. Did that include the 369 as well? No. No, the 369 went out into the wild, too. That's the uh, two-cent Lincoln stamp. Lincoln, the blue. Yeah, they printed that one on blue paper and issued it normally. But everything above three-cent 
that's why, first of all, they're incredibly rare is that they just came out of the bank vault and each one had one sheet. So there's a hundred of each one. They don't all exist now. Well, the four and the eight are very rare and are not known used. Yeah. Well, very few of them are known used. Actually, I don't think he bought the four and the eight cent. I believe he bought one of everything. Okay, you might maybe those two were left on the shelf. Because or you would think if he had bought those and sold them to collectors, they would have been used. But uh, I don't think he bought the four and the eight cent. Yeah. So anyway, that's how they went into the collector market, and so uh, the one that's in the twos generally used. You could have bought them, and I believe mostly they came out of the far northeast. Well, another interesting thing about the cancellations is that the thirteen cent is generally canceled with a characteristically thin uh, mute oval cancel or a circle cancel. And uh, it's it's very strange looking. You look at it and you think, well, this looks like a weird non-standard postal can, you know, even if it's if it's genuine. And you think you might think it's not a genuine cancel because it doesn't look like anything else. Uh, but they've been certified for many, many years as genuine, and there's really no evidence to say that they were not genuine usages. They were probably favor canceled. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. And it was all and may, may not have gone through the mail. Yeah. Um, most of the others did actual did postage duty. They went through the mail were actually mailed because um, most collectors didn't have them handed back. Yeah, they. Um, the story that I heard where most of many many of the used ones is they came from a couple large wrappers where the dealer literally mailed it to himself and he you know he paid he but put, it went through the mail but it went through the mail it just went to him right through the mail and then he soaked them off because you know obviously he paid some stupid rate for this envelope just to get the stamps back but that's why the uh, used stamps are incredibly common or excuse me, incredibly why the used ones are incredibly rare. The mint ones are more common. And the chances of you just finding one is kind of tough. I regularly, and on the order of maybe anywhere from two to five a year, I'll get a postcard uh, as a submission to PSE. And I'll get a postcard and... They want to have uh, it certified having a one cent bluish paper used properly on postcard. While that is possible, it's very unlikely yeah. that you're going to find them. And invariably, they turn out to be regular paper. Well, our email address and is bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. And the reason for that is we were getting. I would I I probably am not exaggerating by saying 200 emails of people sending us the 5 cent stamp saying this is is this blue paper and it's like well it's a blue stamp you know you had wash from the printing look at the back not the front you know the front yeah looks blue because it's blue ink turn it over and it's perfectly white well the other problem is <clears throat> they think from the name bluish paper they're looking for bluish yeah. tinge and they're really look you should be looking for a grayish tinge and uh, so that is also uh, a misnomer. And that's another reason why I get the postcards with the green stamp is because a lot of times the green makes it harder to tell from the front 
of the stamp, whether it's bluish paper or not. So when you're looking at a bluish paper stamp, you want to compare the back. First thing I do, flip it over, unless it's attached to something. The first thing I do is I'll flip it over. And if I have my post-it note handy, I'll slide my post-it note underneath it. I have I have my uh, my desk writing thing that has the clear sheet. I have my post-it note under that. Yeah. So it's it's always on my desk. Right. But yeah. I mean, a lot of times somebody will approach me at a show and do you do you think this is a blue paper? Do you think? And well, okay, I don't have my desk, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do keep a couple of orange post-it notes stuck to my laptop, which I usually do have with me. Yeah, anybody who's building a uh, stamp collecting toolbox, put a little pad of uh, orange post-it notes in it. Yep. It will well, well worth the investment. Yeah, of running down to the, cents or running down to Office Depot or someplace like that and getting some uh, post-it notes that are colored. Now, what about this uh, china clay paper I keep hearing about? Oh, wait, before we can move on to china clay, oh. I was gonna say. And you got. You do have to watch out though, because there are people who try and fake the blue paper. Yes, I have seen that. Um, mostly, what happens is they'll take some sort of bluish dye, uh, food coloring or some such, and when they soak their stamp, they'll put that in the water to stain the paper. And it usually, it, it's usually fairly easy to tell when they do that. Uh, but it again it brings out a strong bluish color rather than the grayish color you're looking for. But one of the real easy tells is you just look at the perf tips because the the perf tips where uh, the ink will soak in and stain the perf tips a lot stronger than it does the rest of the paper where it doesn't have the broken fibers. Does it change the appearance of the print of of the color that it was printed. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um it's like color contamination. Uh, when you put, well, anytime you take one color stamp and you put it against different colored backgrounds, it's going to look slightly different. Your eye is going to perceive it different because your eye is going to pick up the background of whatever you put it against. That's why the post-it note works. That's why the post-it note works. Now, if it's on cover, uh. One thing you want to try and do is you want to create a mask. Uh, so cut out a, a square the size of the stamp to, because it may be on an envelope that is uh, a cream color or uh, some other color, and that's going to contaminate your uh, color perception of the stamp itself. So you want to you want to mask off the rest of the cover with a neutral, either a gray. A, a black works, but a gray is the best uh, best color for masking something like that. And again, just to get into the weeds, there are two types of experimental blue paper also. Well, there's an experimental grayish paper, uh, which was it's, it's really an essay. It's very difficult to tell from the bluish paper uh, unless you have a microscope. What did I say before? I can't even remember. You, talk, <laughs> you want to know about China clay? You, started, you, started, you asked oh, a yeah, question about China right. clay. And yeah. I don't want to talk about China clay. But okay. uh, yeah. well, China clay? I don't think it exists. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a, a variety. and many. Hold on, hold on. There was a variety. There is a variety. <laughs> okay. 
that was attributed to have uh, the paper making process having a higher clay, china clay content when the paper was made. And it causes the, the, the gum and everything else to look slightly different. It also gives a slight grayish cast to the stamp. Well, uh, over the years, they've done a number of different tests on this paper, and they found out that it has nothing to do with china clay. Um, these stamps that were identified as china clay, uh, the gum is typically uh, has a higher gloss to it. Uh, they didn't don't they haven't really determined what the in concrete terms they haven't determined what the cause of this was uh, but the theory was that it was china clay from maybe a muddy creek or something when they made the paper but it, they've they've shown that this is non not consistent it was not something that was done intentionally it's uh, it was just a random effect it's a freak instead of a variety. Yes. And so I, there are people that still collect it and still uh, think that it's a genuine uh, variety. And, and yes, you could call it a variety. It's just not an intentional variety. And, and it's, it's not, not a, a listed variety. It's no longer a listed variety. What was China clay? It's a, it's a clay with a high mineral content in it that's found in certain areas. What they originally thought, which was disproven, like you said, is that this clay sort of gave a gloss to the paper, which affected the gum. And I have seen China clay stamps, and I no, you haven't. could not see the difference. <laughs> no, it, it, it was interesting because uh, Skyler, Skyler Rumsey, I believe it was Skyler Rumsey, at the... Uh, APS show had a set of these all with certificates, PF certificates. And the original catalog value when these were listed was about $250,000. And the full set with certificates was put up for $15,000 after it was delisted. Put up for $15,000 and didn't sell. But while it was there, me and a whole bunch of other people went in there to just really look at these china clay stamps to see you know what is china clay because nobody well there is no good description of what it is because it isn't a thing right <laughs> so. right now if, if you see <clears throat> there there are certain characteristics that they do have in common that uh once you once you get to the advanced level and you've looked at thousands and thousands of these you can start to see the minute differences that would say, okay, this is what they called China clay. Um, but it varies from stamp to stamp, too. And that's one of the reasons why they can't say that they can't list it is because it does vary from one to the next. Well, that was another thing we were doing is we pulled out like the five cent value and the 10 cent value and put them side by side. And they were different. And they were different. It was like, I do not see what they are calling here. Right. Right. So other than blue paper, there's really the only difference in the Washington Franklins has to be uh, discerned from the design, right? Well, there's design differences, there's watermark differences, there's perforation differences, and there's uh, printing process differences. But since we're talking about paper, I would like to point out one thing. World War I occurred during this issue. That is true. And the paper 
dramatically changed during World War One. And this is actually a conversation that I remember, Scott, you and I had about, forgive me for not remembering the Scott number it was, but there was one particular stamp that's relatively expensive, and you were saying it's got to be on this World War One kind of thickish, uglier paper. Right. Uh, World War One put a tax on resources, and paper was not a high priority in production. So when they made the paper for the stamps, it tends to be of a lower quality. Uh, it's it's thicker. It's rougher. It's the... It's yellow. It can be yellowish yeah. or grayish. And uh, this is referred to as a wartime paper. Uh, there are other countries that have this. Uh, Germany comes to mind. There's some stamps that are printed on pre-war paper versus wartime paper. They have a different look to them. And uh, Scott number 491, which is a rotary coil stamp, it's the two-cent type two design. $800 used. It's, it's extremely rare and often misidentified. Um, it doesn't help that on the watermark, it, it comes watermarked and unwatermarked. The unwatermarked is 491. It's the rare one. The watermarked variety is uh, much more common. It, but it doesn't help that on some of the watermarked papers, the watermark is muddy or indistinct, hard to identify. And so uh, a lot of times you'll get... Uh, things that are misidentified and they call them 491 when they're really not well i and again this is shout out to brian metz because he's the one who told me about this many many years ago go through all the two cent coils and just turn them over look at the back don't even look at the front and look at all the yellowish paper if it's got yellowish paper pull it aside and check those because those if you're going to find a 491 it's going to be those and you immediately will rule out about 95% of the stamps because you're looking for that 5% that are the that yellowish is, paper. That is true. You're looking for that thicker yellowish paper. Um, the If you see a whiter or bluish white, thinner, tougher paper, that's not the paper Whether you're you find a watermark or not. Correct. It's wrong. Correct. It's on the wrong paper for that, so it's not... The the issue it's yeah. not the rare stamp so it's really low quality paper so if the stamp gives you a splinter you're in the ballpark <laughs> that that would be a, a clue well we could go on for a lot longer talking about washington franklin's but uh i think that's probably enough for today probably so because paper's only one small portion of the that's correct very and, confusing and you know world that, that's of, that's why a lot of people are scared of washington franklin's especially beginner collectors they get scared they see how many they are there are and, and that they all look very similar so it's it's understanding it's a daunting area uh but once you get a hold of it it really comes down to basics and uh you eventually start to get a handle on it and it becomes a lot less scary the, well it took me a while the, the questions of margin markings on Washington and Franklin's are quite interesting. Had an awful lot of the numbers entered by, by hand. You had all the problems of World War I accompanying the stamps, and there are a myriad of problems that, that are interesting. 
So I guess more discussion for another day. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 225. This was Tom. And Scott. And Cash. And Mark. And Steve. One new voice message and one saved message. New message. You have been listening to the award-winning Stamp Show here today, brought to you by the Nevada Philatelic Research Library. Produced and edited by Cash Breakfast, with engineering and recording by Tom Schilling, Researched by Scott Murphy and Mark Leon, and I am your host, Don Doss. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Podbean, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com, and thank you for listening. To replay this message, press 1. To delete, press 7. To save, press 9. Message saved. There are no more messages. Main menu. Stamp show here today. Stamp show here today. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.